All right, we are in part two of our series, Overcome, and our theme verse for this series is found in 2 Corinthians 10, uh, beginning in verse 3, which says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we're in a war, by the way, whether you realize that or not, and the weapons we fight with, we have weapons, and they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. So we talked about that last week, this word strongholds. I almost named this series Strongholds. What's a stronghold? A stronghold is a part of your life that just won't let go. Like it's a part of your life that you continue to battle with and and, and you can't quite conquer. It's in your life because as the verse continues, the devil has made an argument or he has uh, pretended that this thing, whatever that stronghold is for you, is more powerful. It's bigger than it actually is. So he's made arguments and pretensions and we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's what we talked about last week. We talked about how do we take our thoughts and make them captive to to Christ, captivate our thoughts and make them obedient to Jesus. And we kind of set up the theology for the whole series. If you missed that message, I encourage you to uh, go to our podcast you can click on Continuum Ministries. Uh, we're, we're usually pretty prompt about putting that online. So if it's not up there, well, it'll be up there probably this week. But be sure you, you jump online and see that. Now, we established the theology. Now we're going to spend the next couple of weeks talking about some areas where some of you may feel trapped. Now, the, the, the New Testament was written in Greek. The Greek language was how it was originally written. And the word strongholds in the Greek is the word ukuruma. Ukuruma, which literally translates as a prisoner locked by a deception. That's what it means. A prisoner locked by a deception. So you've been lied to. And you're living your life now by something that is not true. So what do we do with that, Reed? Well, we got to expose the lie. And then we got to replace the lie with truth. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to expose some lies through the rest of this series. Then we're going to replace those lies with truth. And uh, we're going to be all set free in Jesus' name. If you believe that, say amen. If you, if you uh, interact a little bit as we go, I'll preach a whole lot better, and I actually preach faster. We'll go to Torchies a little bit sooner. Amen. Okay. So today we're going to deal with a topic that um, is, is pretty rough stuff. It's, it's the topic of addiction. Addiction. Now, by show of hands, how many of you know somebody, somebody else, whose life has been wrecked by addiction? Okay, every hand went up. Now, I'm not going to ask for hands on this one because I, I know... Um, you wouldn't be honest. Uh, how many of you would say, yeah, I'm addicted? Okay, a couple of you. Wow, thank you for your honesty. Uh, I think all of us are to some degree. In addiction, I think a lot of times when we think of addiction, we think of cocaine, we think of illicit sex, we think of uh, uh, lots of things, alcohol, gambling. And addiction is not necessarily that. An addiction is anything I do that I don't want to do but I can't stop doing it's anything I do, I don't want to do, but I can't stop, stop doing. Let me say it this way. It's, it's something that I do that if it were out of my life, my life would be better. Like, it's just something that I do that if I didn't do that thing or didn't do that thing as much, my life would be better. And it could be an addiction to anything. It could be an addiction to your anger. It could be an addiction to television or Netflix. It could be an addiction to pornography. It could be an addiction to, to, to this bad boy right here, Right? Some of us are really addicted to our phones. We have baptized people that say, hey, uh, can, I, can I keep my phone? Uh, sure. All right. Selfie, hashtag dunked, right? And you're like, <laughs> it's, a, 
it's a problem. And these things begin to control us. And, and catch this. They, 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 they're things we can't live without. It could be food. It could be shopping. It could be spending. It could be sports. It could be lots of different things. It could be addicted to work. Anything that you do that you wish you didn't do but you really can't stop doing, that's an addiction. And uh, I love what the Bible has to say, the honesty it has with this struggle. In fact, the Apostle Paul dedicates an entire chapter in Romans to talk about his struggle with addiction. The great Apostle Paul writes this in Romans chapter 7. He says, I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. So he's saying, listen, I want to do what's right. I want to do good things, but I feel like I got that little devil on my shoulder that's like, hey, it's constantly tempting me. Watch this. For my inner being, I delight in God's law. My inner being, my, my heart wants to do what's right. I want to do what's right. I love God. And a lot of you love God, but you've got these addictions too. And you have those things you can't stop doing. He says, I delight in God. I'm not a bad person, but, but I see another law at work within me. And watch the language here. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. So he goes, I'm a prisoner. I'm, it's waging war with my mind, and I, I feel like I'm a prisoner. And then watch what he says. He goes on to say, you know, I don't even like myself. I despise myself. He says, what a wretched man I am. And I know a lot of you have felt that way too. You beat yourself up, and you're like, oh, I can't believe I said yes to addiction and no to God once again. And listen, every time we deal with strongholds, we have to expose the lie and replace it with truth. So today I want to give you some addiction lies. If you're a note taker, even if you're not a note taker, these would be great things to write down, these addiction lies. And then as we talk about them, I want you to even put yourselves in the lie and say, where am I believing this in my life? Where do I see these things and how they're applying in me? Lie number one is the addiction has become part of your identity. The addiction has become part of your identity. So what I do is who I am, and, and that is a life in the pit of hell. What you do is not mean who you are, but, but I know in 12-step programs, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm a proponent of 12-step programs, a lot of those places are having success, and I'm not challenging their approach, but one of the things they ask you to do is to internalize it, internalize that thing, and say, I am dot, 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 right, to fill in the blank. So I might have been sobered for 30 years, but I am an alcoholic. And I understand practically why that might be helpful. But spiritually, in the sight of God, you are not what you have done. You are as, as God sees you as. That's, that's who you are. And it gets better than that. It's, God doesn't just see you as you are. He sees you as who you could become. He sees the potential in you. And so that's who you are. That, that may have been what you've done, but that's not who you are. You are who God sees you as, and he sees you as your potential of who you could become. And that's important for us to know. Well, I'm just, I'm, you know, my, my daddy was mean. My granddaddy was mean. We all got red hair. I guess we're just mean. No, no. You don't, you don't have to live in that lie. Right? Where you say, well, that's who I am. That's just who, that's my family lineage. No, 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 no. Listen, you don't have to identify yourself by that thing. You don't have to be that thing. Here's the second lie I want to confront tonight. And that is when I try to quit but fail, I feel increasingly hopeless. When I try to quit and, and fail, I just feel hopeless. Some of you are here tonight, and you're wrestling with something some, nobody else even knows about. It's just you and that thing that you're wrestling with, and you say, you know what, if I'm honest, Pastor Reed, I've heard you preach, and I've actually taken some of the things that you said, and I've applied them, and it didn't work, and I just I don't feel like it's, it's going to help me. Listen to me. 
as long as the God who raises the dead is still at work, there is still hope for you. There's still hope for you. So don't, don't say, well, I, 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 there's just no hope. No, there is hope. Don't buy that lie. That's a lie. When he says, there's no hope for you, you can never overcome this. Yeah, with man, this may be impossible. Not with God. All things are possible with God. So don't let him lie to you and say, well, you're hopeless. You're a hopeless situation. There is hope for you. As long as God is on the throne, there is still hope for you. Don't buy that lie. Here's the third one. And that is, any threat to my addiction is really threatening me. Any threat to my addiction is really threatening me. What I mean by that is, is some of you, 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 you almost take offense, like you, you get defensive when somebody says, hey, um, son, I think, I think you, you might have an issue with that. Or, hey, friend, I feel like you're doing this too much. No, I'm not. I don't have a problem with that. I can't tell you how many times that's happened in my office. Again, I do a lot of the counseling at Christian Life, and it just time and time again where people they act like they don't have an issue and it's abundantly clear to everybody else in the room that you have an issue but they get real defense you almost bow up and like no why and that's just a lie from satan the people that love you listen to me if the people that love you are telling you have a problem maybe they're loving you they're speaking the truth in love, as Ephesians 4 tells us to do. Maybe, just maybe, the church and your pastor and your family are not out to get you. They're trying to help you. But it starts with us stepping back and saying, wow, maybe I do have a problem. Some of my best moments with my wife are when she looks at me and she says, you might have an issue with this. And my first response is typically I want to get defensive and go, how dare you, right? But I go, wait a minute, because she's seeing blind spots that I can't see as I'm driving this, this freeway called life. I can't see to my left and right immediately. And, and she says, I, this might be an issue. And even if I don't think there is, there's usually a hint of truth in what she's saying if she's going to say it. Because she's not out there just poking at me. She goes, babe, you might want to watch this. Right? So just listen to it. That's the truth. We want to help you. People that love you, love you. Okay? Receive that as love. Here's another lie. The addiction causes me to lose my life. I'm losing my life. I've gone too far. There's no, there's no point of return at this, but it's irreconcilable. I can't tell you how many times I've heard those things in my office. Listen, it is always reconcilable. It is always reconcilable. In fact, I believe God can do more in the latter part of your life than he did in the former part of your life. That's just the God that I serve. And so I don't want you to feel like that, that whatever, it's just, you just... If you're sucking air tonight, you haven't gone too far. Amen? Okay. We serve the God who's able to turn everything, everything, not just bad things, everything around for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's Romans 8. So don't buy that lie. Here's the last one. I can ease the pain by getting my next fix. I can just ease the pain that I'm feeling by getting my next fix. And you don't. Some of you have even felt comfort in whatever that stronghold is. You felt comfort in that. And you're not easing the pain. You're just masking it. And then you've got shame on top of shame on top of shame. And it just gets to a really dark place. So what do we do? And again, I love the honesty of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7, verse 24. This is the message. I just love how it's, it's written. I've tried everything. Some of you have been there. I've tried everything. And nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? And I just love his honesty. Like, is there, is there nothing I can do? Is there nothing I can do? Is there no one who can do anything for me? And then because he's preaching to us, he actually answers himself. And he says, well, thank God 
thank God that Jesus Christ can and does. And there's just, a lot of you don't even realize that, but that Jesus Christ can and does help you do things that you can't do on your own. I'm reminded of John 15, 5. It's tatted on my wife's foot. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, apart from me, if you, if you disassociate yourself with the vine, you can do nothing. So you're trying to do this on your own, and you can't do it. You can do nothing apart from the vine. But in the vine, there's life in the vine. There's freedom in the vine. There's overcoming in the vine. You can. You can. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. And you can relate to that. I can relate to that. There are things that I do. There are habits that I have that I've begged God, please help me. Help me to overcome this. I want to be a brand new person. In fact, I love the next line Paul says. It's a new chapter, but, but man puts the chapters in there. When, when, when God wrote this, it was one continuous text. But Romans 8.1 says, therefore, there's now no condemnation. Hey, everybody, there's no condemnation for anyone who's in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good news? No condemnation. And, and listen, I, I, I honestly believe that we, we've got to get to a place as a church where there's just no condemnation. And, and we, we've got to get there. We've got to get there. It's imperative that we find a place where we can come in and say, you know what, I'm struggling with this. And, hey, join the club. Huh? Glad you're here. Hey, we're struggling with this together. Let's go find freedom. Right? And we can put our arms around each other. That would be a place where everybody comes in and you don't feel the need to put on your Sunday mask. You know what I'm talking about? Why you, you come in, you're like, how you doing? I'm great, thank you. Oh, God bless you. Praise the Lord, right? I'm blessed. You're not blessed. Everybody's bleeding on the way to the church in your car, right? You're, not, you're jacked up. Like, we got to get to a place where we're dishonest with each other. Uh, I, t- I talked to a lady this week. She called the church. Again, I do a lot of counseling, and she called the church, and she got routed to my number and, or my, my line, my extension, and I said, hey, can I help you? And she said, do you counsel people outside of the church who don't go to uh, your church? And I said, sure, yeah. And so we kept talking, and she was asking for the address. Like, she'd never been in our building at all. And so I finally just like, well, do you go to church somewhere? And she said, oh, yeah, I go to XYZ Church. And I said, okay. <laughs> and I said, listen, I'm more than happy to meet with you, but, but I just I feel like those are your pastors. They like, why don't you want to go talk to them? She said, oh, I could never tell them what I'm going through. And all, therein lies the problem. Like, we're, we're, we're putting on these, these falsehoods, these lies, and I'd rather go talk to a complete stranger about the stuff that I'm struggling with. Like, we've got to lay down those, those and just say, there's no condemnation. Like, listen, you're struggling, you're struggling, you're struggling, you're struggling, you're, we're all struggling. And so let's go, let's put our arms around each other and pursue physical and emotional and spiritual health. Come on, that's awesome. That's what we need to do. In fact, let me say this strong, until we normalize the fact that all of us are are humans and we have fallen and we get real with our fallenness, only the world will have answers for us. And let me just tell you, the world doesn't have any answers for fallenness. So we've got to get real about those things. We've got to get to a place there's no condemnations for those who are in Christ Jesus. Which means that God will never say, you're just a mess, I could do nothing for you. Now the Holy Spirit might convict you and say, man, I'm a mess, but then he says, but here's the way out. And he shows you the way. Romans 8, 2 says, because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free 
from the law of sin and death. That's what this whole series is about, overcoming and being set free. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for you more than anything else. So I'm going to tell you two things that um, you might not know about addiction tonight, and they might actually surprise you. And I've studied this uh, historically. I've studied this biblically. And every time, every single case, 100% of the time, that anyone has been held captive and someone other than God or something other than God has, has gripped our lives, been a stronghold for us. They're all rooted in this one word that I'm about to show you. And the word might actually upset some of you, and that's not my intention. Um, it might surprise some of you, but I think that every single stronghold, every single addiction, and I'm gonna, if you'll hang with me, I'll explain it, is rooted in this word. It's the word idolatry. Idolatry. In other words, it's not just a thing at the physical level. But it's, it's, it's in our hearts. I think it's rooted itself in our hearts. Okay? Idolatry is this. Idolatry is really anything we allowed to sit on the throne of our hearts other than God. It's anything that we allow to sit at the throne of our hearts other than God. And every time you have this inordinate relationship with a thing, it has the power to control you. I'm telling you that because the solution to the problem is the same thing. The opposite of this is also true. And it's not just a habit for you. It's, it's a love. It's, it's not just an addiction for you. It's a passion. It's gone to a place in our hearts that whatever we worship, whatever we fall in love with, we become obsessed with. And whatever we become obsessed with, we begin to imitate. That's 2 Corinthians 3.18. Whatever we imitate, we become. And whatever we become has the power to entrap us. And it just becomes this vicious cycle where you're just, and before you know it, you're like, I, I'm addicted to, and again, fill in the blank. It could be something that's not even bad necessarily, but you get addicted to those. We are always a slave to whatever is on the throne of our hearts. And again, this is big because the opposite is true too. I'm showing you that. Therein lies the solution. If, if you really want to take care of your addiction, you will have no success. Again, apart from Christ, you can do nothing, none whatsoever, until you settle who's king of your heart. You've got to settle that. Who's the king of my heart? You will find yourself so frustrated until you dethrone the God of addiction and put the true and living God on your throne, uh, on the throne of your, throne of your heart. Um, and this is true. It's actually spiritual. No, Pastor, I just, I just like to take pills. I take a lot of pills. No, it, it's a spiritual issue. We talked about that a little bit last week. It gets to a place that you have no power really to overcome that thing. You just don't have, you want power, but you don't have any power. Until you put a new king on the top of your heart. Let me show you three ways that you can do that. To put Jesus back on the throne of your heart. Here's the first thing. You can put Jesus back in his rightful place by putting God first in every area of your life. you got to put God first. Um, and this is important because this is the definition of salvation. So salvation is not raising your hand or the time you prayed the prayer or coming to church or getting baptized, or filling out a card, okay, that, that's, that's not it. Um, salvation happens when, at the moment, when you reorder the gods, the things that you love in your life, and you put God at the top of that list, at the top of your heart. That's when, that's, that's Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So salvation happens when you say, Jesus, you're Lord. Jesus, you're number one. Jesus, you're at the top of my love list. You're, the, you're on the throne of my heart. Now, there's going to be times where there's something that replaces Jesus. That doesn't mean you're unsaved. But salvation happens. The moment of salvation happens when you say, God, you're number one for me. 
You're going to be my Lord. You're going to be my master. You're going to lead me going forward. Now, let me show you. This is why uh, the first of the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament in Exodus 20, verses 1 through 3, God spoke all these things. This is what he said. He said, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And then he says, let me give you some advice. If you'll do this, all the other commandments will be really easy for you. Like if you can get this one, everything else is pretty simple. Put no other gods before me. Have nothing in your life that you love more than you love me. It's okay for you to love other things. I love other things. But he says, I just don't want those loves to ever be more important than me. That's when I get an issue with this. So God's okay with you loving things. He just doesn't want you to love things more than you love him. That's what Christianity really is. Christianity, it's not a perfect life. It's not a person who attends church a lot. It's not somebody who even believes. That's not even the, the definition of Christianity. It's someone who says, Jesus, you can take the place of my heart where you're number one. And that's what I love, I love uh, what the New Testament says in 1 Peter 3. It says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Like, just put him number one. Just make him the Lord. Pastor Reed, let's make that a little more practical. Like, how do I do that? How do I make him number one in my life? Well, what I try to do is it, to make, him, make sure he's the throne of my heart is I, I'm going to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give God the first of everything. I'm going to give God the first of everything. If you'll do that, I promise all those other gods of addiction and things will bow. If, if you'll say, God, I'm going to put you first of everything. So, so this is what I do. This is just practically for me. And I'm not a morning person. Where are my non-morning people? Glory to God. Amen. This is our moment right now. This is why we have 7 p.m. church. Um, but when I wake up, okay, and, and, and what do you want to do as a young adult? Boom. All right, let's check the news, check the Instagram, check the Twitter feed, check the email. And you can get lost real quick. So here's, here's what you do is, is the first thing you do when you wake up. The first thing you do when you wake up is say, God, I'm going to spend time with you. Now, it doesn't have to be a long time. But I do three things every single morning. Um, and those three things, I'm just putting God first. Again, it's the first part of my day. So I sometimes, I'll be honest, I go to the restroom. And then I do this. <laughs> so here's the first thing. I really got to go, God. You understand. Okay. All right. So, and then I do this. So before I check the feed, before I, I I'm going to jump on, I'm going to jump on my, on my Bible app, or if I've got a, a physical Bible, I'm going to do that. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to jump into his word. And he, let me just encourage you. Um, I heard it, I heard it explained this way and, and it's, it really made a lot of sense to me. It's kind of like, sometimes we can, we can get into those, like those reading plans, which I don't think are bad. But they say if you read three and a half chapters a day of the Bible, you get through the whole Bible in a year, which sounds amazing. But the problem is, is that you went out of town this weekend and you forgot your Bible. And so now you're two days backed up. Now you got ten and a half chapters to do today. You got through two, but now you're back eight and a half. Now tomorrow, I got another three and a half, and I got 12 chapters. And I just throw, I throw my hands up and I say, this is really frustrating. And it's just not for me. No, no, the Bible is for you. It's for you. And so I had, I had a friend recently whom I love, and he called me, and he goes, hey, me and some friends are getting together, and we're going to read through the whole Bible in 40 days. Do you want to join us? And I said, no, that sounds awful. I have no desire to do that um, because I know me, and I just, I know that, like, that, like, there's 66 books, man, 40 days. That's like a book and a half a day. Do you know how long Psalm is? Like, Psalms is 150 chapters. So I just know me. I just, I can't do that. I can't, and, and what a lot of people do is they get guilted into doing something. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, God would want me to do that. Let's do that. And so, so you go out there, and then you, you just get tired. And so you throw in the towel. You go, I can't do it. I'm done. Right? And God's like, just 
one verse, just get in my word, right? And so the, the visual I have is this tree. And so every morning I'm going to pick up my axe. I'm going to come out and I'm going to read a little word. I'm going to spend a little time in prayer. And I'm going to worship him. Which means I just play a song on my phone and I just sing along with the song. That's literally my routine every single morning. I put God first in the morning. And I do that. And listen, sometimes I read a paragraph and sometimes I read a whole book of the Bible. It just kind of depends what's going on that day. So I don't, I don't, I don't get into the thought process of I've got to read this many chapters today because I'm going to get tired of chopping this tree down and I'm just going to get frustrated and just leave my axe. So my thought is I'm going to pick up my axe every day. I'm going to take as many swings as I can do that day. I'm going to put my axe down. I'm going to go about my day. And guess what? Tomorrow I'm going to do it again. And what happens to that tree eventually? It's going to fall. So it doesn't matter if it falls in 40 days or in 365 days or 740 days. Like, just let it fall. Just let it fall. Like, I'm just, I'm just going to pick. So I'm going I'm to read every day. I'm going to spend time talking. We did a whole series in October. You can go back and listen to it online about prayer, about how to talk to God and how to listen to God. I'm going to spend some time with you, and then I'm going to worship you. And typically what I do is I set my alarm. If you have an iPhone, I'm sure all phones do this, but I will set my phone alarm so that, uh, like I said, I'm gonna pr- I've got this many minutes. I can pray for 15 minutes today or 10 minutes today or 5 minutes or whatever. And I'll set my alarm at the end of that so it comes on as a worship song. And that's my cue to I'm just going to worship, and then I finish the worship song, and then I go about my day. That just works for me. But I'm putting God first at the beginning of my day, and it, 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 I'm telling you. That's why the early church, by the way, moved church services from Saturday to Sunday. So we're going to move from the last day of the week to the first day of the week. That's why we have church on Sunday, whether you knew that or not. I'm trying, I'm put God first. This is so important. You've got to catch this. We've got to put God first. Do these things every day. I truly believe you will not change yourself until you change something you do every day. And, and if you just would say, okay, today, every day, I'm going to put God first. I'm going I'm to read, if it's one verse, I'm going to read one verse today. And if I don't have time, sometimes, what I love to do, if you have the Bible app, uh, the Holy Bible app, it's probably the number one app when you type in Bible into your app store. Um, but it'll read the Bible to you, which is really handy. So sometimes I'll just like let it read it to me, right? And that's kind of refreshing because it's like this really melodic and soft Genesis 1. You know, it's just this. Makes me feel good. I'm saying this to you practically because if you do it, you'll feel it. And God blesses whatever you put first. And I don't even understand how it all happens, but he recognizes it. And I'm telling you, he gives the power to overcome things. He'll just see you do it. He goes, I'm going to help you. I see you're reaching out to me. I'm going to reach out to you. I'm going to give you this, an extra dose of my self-control, which is part of the fruit of my spirit. Here's the second one. We have to learn to say no to the flesh. We just got to learn to say that word. Everybody say that word with me. Ready? On three. One, two, three. No. And a little more conviction now. Like you're really screaming at the devil. Ready? One, two, three. No. Right? It feels good, man. Just say it. No. I remember when I was younger, like I had a problem saying no. And now I get older, I'm like, I don't know. I don't care. What do you think about me? No. Right? I just, I'm just, it's easier to say no. And just say no to the flesh every once in a while. That's not a bad thing for you to say no, just to start saying no. In fact, uh, Pastor Blake and his wife, and maybe Pastor Casey, I can't remember if he was in that conversation, but we were talking about this series, and we are like, let's call it Nike. Don't, just don't do it, right? <laughs> we had a little upside-down swoosh. Like, just say no. Like, there's some things that we have in our lives we just need to say no to. Like, no, 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 no. And I'm, I would encourage you to say this, not even to necessarily bad things. Just say, start saying no to the flesh. Listen to me. You're a three-part being. 
Bible talks about this. You have a spirit man, and that's the part of you that's like God. That's the part of you that's clean and it's holy, and, and that's, that's why we get to go to heaven, okay? Because you put your faith in Jesus Christ, your spirit man, it's like God, okay? Then you have your other part. You have your will, your mind, your emotions, and then you've got the cravings of your flesh, and all three of those things, are, they're, they're all constantly screaming at us. And the interesting thing is they all want to be put in charge. They all three want, like, I want what I want, I want what I want, and, and God's saying, I want what I want. And they are in charge. Whenever we feed them, we let them have their way. Let me say that again. Whenever we feed, those, whenever we feed the body, we let it have its way. Whenever we feed the, the thoughts, we let them have their way. Whenever we feed the spirit man, we let it have its way. Whatever we feed, that's what's in charge. One of the healthiest things, and I, I don't know that I've ever taught this so strong before, but if you'll learn to deny your flesh on a regular basis, in other words, tell your appetites, even if they're not bad appetites, no. Every once in a while. It's so healthy. Just to get into that practice is going, no. Like, no. Like, I, is social media bad? No. I use it as well. But you know what? I've been on this a lot lately, so I'm just going to say no. I'm just, I'm, for a week, I'm going to say no. And you're not feeding that. And again, it's not a bad thing, but it's just, it's just training your body to say no to things that you always say yes to. I'm just going to put it down, make sure that that thing doesn't have mastery over my life. In 1 Corinthians 6, uh, Paul says this incredibly. He says, everything, um, uh, what does he say? I don't even know what he said. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. First he says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. And then he says, everything's permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Just a way that you know you're not mastered by anything, even good things, that you just say, you know what, I'm, just, I'm not going to do that today. I'm just, I'm just going to put that down, and I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to watch TV this week. Right? I'm not, I'm not going to binge watch Netflix this weekend. Right? I'm just going to say, no, no, whatever you're eating, you know what, I'm, I'm going to have you next week, but this week I'm going to say no that chocolate sundae. Oh, glory to God, I just got a visual image of a chocolate sundae. Help me, Jesus. Okay, I, I'm gonna say yes to you next week, but not right now. No, no, no. Right? You just what, again, not bad things necessarily. You just say no. You just say no to your flesh. Why? Look at look at Romans six, because I'm not gonna let sin reign in me. I'm not gonna let it call the shots. I call the shots in my mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. You know what? I, I want to look at that. No. I'm not going to look at that. You know, I think I'm going to text that. No, I'm not going to text that. Right? You have control over that mortal body. Do not offer any part of, your, uh, to sin, of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God. For sin shall not be your master. Well, how do you, how do, you do that, Reed? That's what I'm struggling with. How do I do it? Well, look at Galatians 5. We talked about this a little bit last week. Those who belong to Christ Jesus... They kill it. They just kill it. They've crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. So you don't just work on your, your issues. You kill them. Right? Uh, if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you'll live. We talked about that last week, Romans eight thirteen. You, you just got to kill those things. I, I'll tell you a struggle that I had. And some of the guys that know me can attest to this. I, I still kind of have an issue with it. But not near as big. And I wish my wife were here because she'd say, he's doing really well. He's overcome. I used to be really addicted to football. And I still love football. People that know me know me to come ask me about football. But it, it was really, really bad. I would watch it on Thursday night. 
I would watch it on Friday night. I would watch it all day Saturday. I would watch it all day Sunday. I would watch it Monday night. And I was in like 75 fantasy leagues. <laughs> I loved football. And my wife was the one that said, hey, right? Like, you have a family. And, and it was just, it became convicting to me to say, I, I, I'm, I'm addicted to football. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But I was, I, I was way too enamored with football. And so initially, the first step is I just said, you know what, i gotta pick a, I got to pick a football. i got to pick a football. i got to get pro football or college football. Because I can't do Saturday and all day Sunday and Monday and Thursday and Friday. I can't do that. And so I, I chose pro football. And that's just what I love. And a lot of you love college, and that's awesome. And I maybe watch one, maybe two college games all year long. I just don't watch football in college. But I watch pro football. And that was it. So I said, Saturdays, I'm not going to do that. Fridays, I'm not going to. Thursday, Sunday, Monday. And then, um, because of the nature of my job, I'm here from about 8 to about 2. Um, and then I come back up here, you know, 5.30 till. So, like, I don't really get to watch football on Sundays. And my wife will even tell me, she says, baby, like, you done, you're doing so much better. And it's not that it was like ever, ever an issue or causing problems in our marriage, but she just said, like, you got to say no to that. And that's something that I've, and so honestly, I probably, I can at least count on my hands and toes how many football games I've watched this year. Less than 20, um, and, and we're into almost the end of the season. I just, so it's again, it's not a bad thing, it's just, I'm just going to say no. And I'll be honest with you, when we moved Continuum from Tuesday nights to Sunday nights, my first thing that popped up at the top of my heart was like, Sunday night football. I like it on Tuesdays. There's no football on Tuesdays. I said, nope, I'm going to take that off the throne of my heart and put God back on the throne of my heart. And my fantasy teams do better because we put God first. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. Kind of. All right. I want you to take this week and take something that your body or your soul craves. Maybe it's your phone. Maybe it's football for a week. I, I'm just not going to do social media. You know what? I'm not going to watch that show. I'm not going to do that thing. I'm going to put this bad boy down for a while. I'm going to set this food aside. No, don't do that. Wait till next week for that. It's Thanksgiving. <laughs> don't, don't do the food. Reed, you tell me, say no. I'm going to say no to you. I'm having pie on Thursday. Don't, don't say no. But for one week, I don't care how bad it screams at you. I just want you to have ability to overcome and go, you know, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no to my flesh. I got to learn to say no. That's part of this whole thing. I put God first. I got to learn to say no. I'm just going to say no. It's not a bad thing. I'm just, it's not going to have, not everything is, is, Everything's permissible. This is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything's permissible for me, but I won't be mastered by anything. So I'm going to have mastery over this thing. I'm just going to tell it no, and I'll see you in December, right? That's all right. It's okay to say those things for one week because what I starve will die. Write that down. What I starve will die. I'm telling you, it's a biblical principle of crucifying the flesh. Here's the last one, and I'm closing. If you want to help me, Ben, come on up. How do I break the power of addiction in my life? Well, i got to put God first. It's where he belongs. Make him the first part of my day, first part of my week. Make him first. I'm going to say, start saying no to some things. I've got my mind and my flesh that are pulling at me, that want control of my life. I'm going to start telling them no, even in areas where it's not necessarily bad. I just want to make sure that they know who's in charge. And number three, here's the last one. And you can't underestimate the importance of this. And I know it's going to sound very cliche, and it's not. I'm trying to be cliche. You've got to go all in with Jesus. You've just got to go all in with Jesus. 
And so many of you, you're never going to get the best of God halfway. You're just not going to. You say, well, that Christianity stuff didn't work for me. Listen, look at me in the eyes. Yeah, it didn't work for you because you didn't really go all in. I, I, I will tease people. I don't know what the Lord thinks of this. He may not like this at all, but I'd do it. I've had people that were real skeptical about the whole Christianity thing. And I said, would you just test drive it? But when I say test drive it, I don't want you to drive anything else for six months. Like, go all in. If that's you today, and you're like, you know what, Reed, I'm just, I'm an atheist, or I'm an agnostic, and I don't really know about this whole God thing. I want you to give it six solid months, from now to the end of May. And so I'm going to go, I'm going to test drive this. It's kind of like if I gave you the keys, if I gave you the keys to um, a Lamborghini, that's my dream car, I will never own one. It's the car in Dumb and Dumber, you know, 275,000, might want to hang on to that one, right? Like that car. So if I said, I'm going to give you the keys to a Lambo, to my office. <laughs> I'm going to give you the keys to a Lambo and you can test drive it. I just don't want you to drive anything else for six months. And then I come to you in May and I say, hey, what do you think? Oh, it's amazing. Hello. The power. The power of this car. Well, you can either give me the keys back and go back to driving your Ford Pinto or you can keep the keys to that car. I've never had somebody Say, you know what, I tried that whole Jesus thing and I really went all in. If it's not work for you, it's because you didn't really go all in. Jeremiah 29, 13, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you seek me with your whole heart, he wants an all-in kind of commitment from you. And I just, I would say to you, like, go all in. Like, go all in with Jesus. And I promise you, you're going you're gonna to be, it works. You'll overcome. Here's what I know, and, and, and you can't say it doesn't work because you haven't truly tried it. But li- this is what it says in Romans 12, 2. It's the message again. Fix your attention on God. Don't wait to set a New Year's resolution which you're going to break by the, by the beginning of February. Like set it now. you got six weeks to the end of the year. Crazy. Six weeks and we're ringing in 2019. Don't wait till 2019. Like set that resolution now so you can go into the new year already overcoming. And you just go, you know what? Right now I'm going to fix my eyes on God. I'm going to fix my attention on God. You know what will happen? You'll be changed from the inside out. You'll be changed. Like that thing that you can't change, you'll be changed if you'll fix, if you'll fully commit to God. So what's the key? You gotta readily recognize what he wants from you, and quickly respond to it. And unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. What I starve dies. But the opposite is true, too. Whatever I feed thrives. Whatever I feed thrives. So I'm going to feed the spirit man. I'm going I'm to focus my attention on God. I'm going to put God first. I'm going to go all in with him. I'm going to start saying no to the flesh, and I am going to overcome in Jesus' name. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes all over this room. I just want to pray for you. God, let this be the month. Let this be the year. Not next year. Let this be the year. With six weeks left, let this be the year. We're not saying it won't be a struggle. But we are saying we're going to give it more effort than we ever have in the past. Young adults, please receive this. If you want it, it's yours. God wants to give you what the devil stole. You're not what you do. It's not you. You're how God sees you. That's who you are. 
And Lord, I pray that as, as we make you Lord of our life and as we learn the art and the discipline of crucifying our flesh and saying no to it regularly, and God, as we go all in with you, that my friends in this room will indeed overcome. They're going to overcome. They're going to overcome that addiction. I believe in you and will receive it in Jesus' name. Before we dismiss tonight, um, we're just going to be here at the front. There's a couple of us all about our prayer team. We're just going to open up this, this altar for prayer. And if you just want prayer, maybe you're having some, some struggles. Don't even have to tell us what that is. That's okay. We don't need to know. If you want to share, that's fine. We'll agree with you whether you tell us or not. But we would love to just pray for you on your behalf. There's nothing significant about us other than we love God and we love you. And we'd love to pray for you to our holy God. And so we're going to be here at the front. You can come now, prayer team. We're going to be here at the front. We're going to be praying for you. And um, for the rest of us, if you don't need prayer, that's okay. Maybe just stay in where you're, you're seated and you just sing worship to God because he's good. And you say, God, tonight I, I'm going to commit to you. I'm going all in with you. I'm going to go all in with you. I'm going to put you first. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I, I, I can say it didn't work, but I can't honestly say that because I've never really fully done that. So tonight I'm going to commit to doing that. I'm going all in. I'm going all in. Let's stand together and worship. If you need prayer, come down.